Well, if you have a Bible, would you turn to the book of Exodus? We are in Exodus chapter 3. We have been looking at, for the past couple of weeks and for the several weeks going forward, we have been looking at the journey that the Israelites are going to be on toward God. But not just the Israelites, Moses himself in particular, this journey, this personal journey of discovery that he is on toward God. Now, if you remember in the story of Moses, we talked about it last week. Moses had been in Egypt. He had grown up in Egypt. God miraculously saw his, his birth. Uh, he lived there for 40 years. He was trained in the ways of the Egyptian society, the Egyptian court, growing up there in that really, in that kingdom, in, the, in that palace. And Moses had an encounter where he wanted to be uh, identifying with his people, the Israelites. And Moses, in his desire to identify with them, did something that was evil in the sight of people and in the sight of God, and it was that he had murdered an Egyptian. This murdering of the Egyptian, he tried to cover up, cover up his tracks, so he buried the body in the sand, But and, and he had thought nobody had seen him. He looked this way and that, it says in Scripture, before he committed this murder, which is, by the way, what we do. Um, um, I was reminded, I think, uh, this week, my I don't know who I was talking to, but reminded of driving. That's what we do when we're going to speed, isn't it? When we're going to speed, look this way and that, make sure that there's no cops around, and then we go faster than we ought to go. Well, he had looked this way and that, committed this murder, tried to cover his tracks, bury the body in the sand. Somebody saw him, so he ran away. For 40 years, he had been in a different place. He had been getting his life back together. He had uh, was shepherding sheep. He had had a family. He had a father-in-law, mother-in-law. He had children and really trying to put his past behind him. But his past was catching up to him because God was not going to leave him alone. Last week, what we learned was the idea of what happens when God shows up. And last week we saw that God had an encounter with Moses. Moses had tried to run for 40 years, tried to escape that for 40 years, but God had a plan for Moses' life, and God showed up in a miraculous way through a bush of all things, the bush that was on fire. Here's what the Word of God says that we read last week in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses, who had, uh, by the way, run for 40 years, he had been there regathering his life. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And Moses led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, which was the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning yet not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not being burned. So if you remember the, what we looked at last week, that this incredible event happened through a very ordinary means. It was just a simple bush. And God used that simple bush to get a hold of Moses' heart and life, to really speak to him. Now, a bush is just ordinary. But it's amazing how God can speak in extraordinary ways through the most ordinary of things. I used us as examples of that. We're ordinary. I'm very ordinary. You may be very ordinary. Yet God can use us to speak in extraordinary ways through very ordinary things. He, it says that Moses, when he, he saw that this bush was burning... Yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside. Note the, the, that word there. I will turn aside to see this great sight. 
Moses, when he finally paid attention, that is when God spoke. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, in other words, when Moses finally paid attention to God, God spoke and called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And Moses said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, this picture is this encounter that God is going to have with Moses, but God did not speak until Moses finally turned aside. And once Moses turned aside and paid attention, that's when God spoke and God gave him grace and God gave him a calling and God gave him a purpose in life. And God said to him, take your sandals off. This is a holy moment. This is a holy encounter. We have those kind of moments that God is just waiting for us to turn aside and pay attention. When you finally give God your attention, he speaks in a holy way. It's a holy encounter with God. Take off your sandals because you are having a holy moment. Recognize those holy moments. Take time in your life to set aside time for God to allow him to speak to your heart and your mind and have those holy moments with God. This week, we're going to keep moving forward through this. Here's what it says next. Then Moses, when God called to him, hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God, which is a holy reverence for God that was really ingrained in Moses. And that's something that we should have. There is a healthy respect, reverence, and fear of the Lord that should really move upon our hearts. We're talking to the holy God. And he was afraid to look at the holy God. But God didn't stay, uh, keep him there. Moses, you can look. You can have a relationship with me. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I want you to take note of these. God says, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that place to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. God wants to deliver them from the Egyptian state that they were in. But God wants to deliver us from our own Egypt as well. This is the message of the gospel in the book of Exodus. The same message of Jesus. God in eternity, in heaven, looks down, says, I have seen what they're going through. I have heard their cries. I'm aware of the sufferings they have. So I'm going to come to them. They can't come to me. I will come down to them and I will bring them up. I will lead them out of where they're at into eternity, into a promised land, a good and spacious land. We have our own Egypts in our lives. Your Egypt may be your addiction to alcohol. It may be your addiction to drugs. It may be your addiction to gambling, to pornography, to whatever it might be. Your addiction may be something in your life that is holding you down. It has trapped you, and God sees it, and God's aware of it. And so God has come to deliver you from that Egypt into a promised land. It's the message of the gospel in the Old Testament. Now we're going to see Moses and his response and reaction to God's call on his life. Let's look at what it says. 
God continues on. He says, I have seen, I have heard, I'm aware, I have come down to deliver them. And now, God says, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. I see their Egypt. I see their situation. Therefore, come now, Moses, and I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, so that you, Moses, may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And God said to Moses, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Let's pray and get into this. Father, this is impactful. The words that were spoken by Moses, the questions that he was asking. Lord, I'm excited for the next few weeks that we get to see this interaction that's taking place between yourself and Moses. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be receptive, our minds attentive, our ears would be tuned in to your word for our lives. This is not just several thousand years ago. This is today. And Lord, we need to hear it today and hear from you fresh today. Lord, I believe that this is a message that you want to speak to all of our hearts. So Lord, help us, lead us, be in this place, and teach us what we need to know. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Amen. I just want to look at this encounter one more time. I want to back up a a, a verse. And here's what it says. God speaking to Moses. And I want to start right here where it says, Therefore... I've heard my people, I know what's going on, I hear their cries, I know their pain, therefore Moses, come now, and Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses, I've got a call on your life. I have a purpose for your life. I have a ministry that I want you to do. Do you know that every one of us in this room has a ministry? It's not just a pastor who stands on a platform that has a ministry. If you are saved, you are called by Jesus. He has set you free. You have a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. It's all of us. We are all ministers of the gospel of Christ. In the same way, he says to Moses, I have a, I've got something for you, Moses. He says the same thing to all of us. I have something for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a direction for you. I want you to see what Moses responded, though, to that call, that direction, and that purpose. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of, Egypt, uh, of Israel out of Egypt? We're going to camp on those words here today, the question, who am I? And I want you to hear what Moses is saying really behind, behind those words, Because my guess is that Moses is really saying to God, who am I? Why would you pick me? If I were you, I would never pick me. Because I've messed up too much. I've done what is wrong. I've run away too much. I've said what is wrong. I've done what is wrong. I am nothing. Who am I that you would dare choose me? It's fundamentally a question of identity. It's about what defines us. 
How did Moses see himself in that moment? But the better question is, how do I see myself or how do you see yourself in life today? The title of the message is, Who Am I? And I want to talk about that identity. What defines us? How do we see ourselves? Who do we see ourselves to be? A lot of people struggle with this concept and this idea, and they have a very faulty identity in life. They really struggle with who they are, and they may, like Moses, say, who am I? Because I look at my past, I look at my mistakes, I look at my failures, I look at myself in the mirror, and I hate who I am, and I hate what I have done, and I hate the mistakes in my life. How in the world could you use me? I'm defective. I'm worthless. I'm a nobody. I can't do anything. I have no talent. I have no ability. Who am I? In life, let's talk just for a brief moment about what tends to define me or us. What defines us in life? What do I mean by that? I mean, what is the source of my identity? What do I believe about myself and where does that belief come from? Well, one of the things that identifies or or defines us in life is the past. Our past, we all have a past. Some of us have a longer past than others do. Some of us have deeper pasts than others do. But all of us tend to have baggage that we carry along with us. It's like we have garbage bags strapped to our legs and we're walking along. And if we stop long enough, we start to smell the stink of the garbage that we're dragging behind us. So we keep busy and we keep moving and keep walking so that I don't have to smell the stink of what I'm dragging. The past really could be this, the mistakes, the failures, the sins that we have, I have, you have committed in life. And that past begins to define us because we carry the memories and the tapes are always running in our minds to remind us of the things that we have done, the things that we have said, the ways that we have acted. And that past can deeply affect us because the past can cause us to start to believe something that is false, a lie, which is, again, I'm defective, I'm deficient. I'm worthless. I'm insignificant. I amount to nothing. I'm rejectable. I'm unlovable. I'll never do anything right. For some of you, that past has been with you for so long, and you've been dragging it along for so long, and it's so smelly, the things that you're carrying behind you and dragging with you, that it is deeply ingrained in you and deeply affecting you. It has become your identity. Like Moses, who could say, I murdered someone, I dug a grave in the sand, I thought I was going to get away with it, but somebody saw me do this, God saw me do this, and I've run for 40 years, that's haunted me. Can you identify with that at all? The haunting of the past that now still, to this day, defines me. And it may be a past of a month ago, but it may also be a past of 30 years ago. And that's defining who you are. And it's causing you to live that out. I, who am I? Look what I've done. I'll never amount to anything. And it may not be the past that defines you. But maybe it is associated with the past because it isn't necessarily my mistakes, my failures, it's maybe the people. 
people have defined me. Do you know that we live in a way that we constantly get feedback? We give each other feedback on how good of people we are. I mean, I get feedback all the time from people who are here uh, listening and people, I get comments from people, but I also see people falling asleep in messages too. That gives me feedback. That doesn't do a lot for my ego, just so you know, if you choose to sleep during this message. Uh, I've come to the point that, you know what, I'm okay with whatever because it doesn't define me. I am not defined by what people think of me. The people in your life have communicated to you things about you, both good and bad. Some of those things are the words that people have spoken. You could have had painful things said to you that you have carried for years and years and years and years. Maybe it was even said to you, you were three years old and it was said to you, but it is stuck with you. And it's defined you, and it's identified you, and it's become how I live out my life today. Those words that were spoken had power, and they had the ability to affect me deeply. And maybe it wasn't just the words that people said, but it could also be a look. Some people are really, really good at communicating volumes through a simple look. And you know what I'm talking about. Because they can communicate to you disgust, irritation, frustration through a very simple look. And you so felt that, that it has affected you for years. Maybe it's not the look, maybe it's not the words, just a tone of voice. Some are really good at that tone. They've got the tone. They have that perfected down to a science. They know the tone. And while their words may say something different, their tone says something completely opposite, and that tone has deeply impacted you. And all of it's communicating what's wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. There's something deficient in you, something defective about you. And that has become your identity. And what happens is we carry the past, we carry the messages of the people, and it replays in our brains over and over and over again to where we say like Moses, who am I? Because if it was anybody, if I were in your shoes, God, I would never pick me because I know who I am. Maybe it's not the past. Maybe it's not the people. Maybe it is the performances. L let me explain what I mean by this. You could be the person who never performed good enough. Whatever you did, it was never good enough. I had a friend who was a, a star basketball player, really, really good. Went on to play college basketball, just a very, very good basketball player. And he was playing in a state championship game where he grew up several decades ago now. But he had a phenomenal state championship game. He made 14 out of his 15 shots that he took during the game. That is unreal statistics to make 14 out of the 15 shots. They lost the state championship game by one point. You know what he has focused on for decades, the rest of his life? The one shot he missed. You mean you made 14, which is incredible, and you only missed one, and that's what you're focused on? Yeah. 
Because if I hadn't missed that, we would have won. The performances, I can never do it good enough. Maybe you're a straight A student or were a straight A student. This doesn't apply to me at all, but maybe you were a straight A student. And you got straight A's through elementary and junior high and high school and college, and you carried this wonderful GPA, straight A's. And then you got to that one class and you didn't get an A. You got a B plus. And it wrecked your life because you, for some reason, felt like I'm a failure because I didn't get it perfect. You know what always strikes me today is that there are some adults today among us, don't raise your hand if you are this person, um, but seek help if you are, and that is super highly competitive adults for everything you do. You're playing shoots and ladders with your kids. I've got to win. Candy land with the kids. I've got to win. We're playing a card game. I've got to win. We go bowling. I've got to win. We're playing softball on a team. We've got to win. And you wrap up everything in life with winning. It's because you've never performed good enough. And you have somewhere in your mind the belief that if I don't excel perfectly, there's something wrong with me. I'm defective, I'm deficient, I'm worthless as a human being. And like Moses, you come along to God and say, who I am. Let me tell you who I am, God. I'm nobody. I am awful. I've messed up way too much. People have told me all of my life how unlovable I am, how rejectable I am. They've told me and pointed out my failures all all my life. I've never gotten perfect grades. I've never won anything. I have no talent whatsoever. People remind me of that all the time. Who am I? And here's what God is going to respond to Moses. It is, Moses, it's not about you. You need a new identity, a new definition. And we do too. Because those things do not define us any longer. And so let's talk in our remaining few minutes just about a new identity. What does a new identity mean? What does a new identity look like? Well, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are new. You have a new identity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means, are you saved? Are you a believer? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you asked him for the forgiveness of your sins and accepted him into your life? If you are, if you've done that, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're brand new. You have a new identity. You have a new definition of who you are. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was talking to the Israelites, but by default, he's talking to us. And Isaiah hears from God, and God says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not understand that? Do you not perceive it? What does he tell him? Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. 
How much of our lives do we spend remembering the old things, considering the things of old? The former things, the past things. We lay in bed at night and it swims through our minds. If I could only go back and change that one thing, that's what I would do. Remember not those things, God says, because I have made you new. You got to start over. You're a brand new creation. So don't worry about the things of old. Look at the things that are new. I want you, God says, to understand this. So what, is a, what does a new identity look like to Moses? Well, here's what it looks like to Moses. And here's what it looks like to us. Number one, I need to understand in this new identity that my father, the Lord, accompanies me. I'm not alone. He is with me every step of the way. In the book of Exodus, what we read was God's response. Look at God's response. Moses says, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel? What is God's response? Moses, it's not about you. Certainly, I will be with you. I will be with you, Moses. You're not alone. You know how much better it is in life to have someone with you than to actually have to do things alone. I was reminded of this with our youngest son who has his learner's permit for the car. We have been through, this is our child number six, and so we've been through this five times. We have five who can drive to a certain degree, you know, abilities, whatever it might be, but they can all drive. And we have one left. And this one is going to cause the rest of my hair to fall out. But I was reminded of the fact that as he is learning to drive, we don't put him in a car alone. We say, we will be with you to yank the steering wheel out of your hands when you do something wrong. We will be with you to imaginarily step on the brake pedal that does not exist on our side of the car as you're driving. We will be there to teach you. We're going to be there to train you. We will be with you. When I learned to fly an airplane, I didn't go alone for a long time. I had somebody right there with me with all the controls and all of the abilities. And if I ever got into trouble, he's right there with me. You don't go through life alone. God is right there with you. As he is there with you, that should give comfort to your soul. My new identity is God is with me. Everywhere you go, Every situation you're in, God is with you. And that's an amazing promise. In the book of Isaiah, it says this. God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's promised, I will be with you. Number two, he does accompany me. But he also absolves me. I used all A's to make it flow really well. But what does the word absolve mean? It means forgive, wipe away. All of my past, God wipes it away. 
It's not just for sins committed in the past. It is also in the present and in the future. God does not want us to live a life of sin. But if we do, if there is a wrong thing that is said, a mistake that is made, we have 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Henry Ward Beecher, who was a wonderful theologian and pastor for many, many decades ago, made this very famous quote. He said it this way. He said, God pardons like a mother who kisses the offense into everlasting forgiveness. You ever had a mom? I hope you did. Not everybody did have this, but you had a mom who, when you messed up, she still kissed you and forgave you. And continued to wrap her arms around you. And that's what God is like to us. So he absolves us. That's, I've been forgiven. That's my new identity. He's with me. He's forgiven me. Number three, he also adopts me into his family. I have been fully accepted, adopted into the family of God, which is my new identity. My last name has changed. I am God's child now. I'm Christian, and you are too, if you've accepted Christ into your life. In Romans, Paul writes, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he accompanies me, he absolves me, he adopts me, he also accepts me where I'm at. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary or who are labor and uh, who labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. So wherever you're at, whatever's going on, you can come to him and receive rest for your souls because he accepts you. I've always been struck by the people who will tell me, well, I have to get myself cleaned up before I can come to church. I have to get better before I can come to church. That's not the case. You come broken from wherever you're at, and God accepts you there and moves you forward. He accepts us. He adopts us. He absolves us. He accompanies us. Finally, my Father abundantly loves me. I want you to note these words in the book of Lamentations and write these down. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, not not a book that most people ever read in the Old Testament, but this is what it says. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Note that phrase. I felt hopeless, so I recalled this to my mind, and I have hope. I forgot this, and so I remembered it, and put it back into my mind, now I have hope. You feel hopeless? Well, recall this to your mind. What what should I recall? How about this? The Lord's loving kindness, kindnesses, indeed never cease. When I feel hopeless, recall to my mind that the Lord, his loving kindnesses never stop. God continues to love me. 
he continues to show me that love, pour out that love. God will have wrath upon the world, but the balance of wrath is the love of God, which he pours out to those who say, I, I, I'm, I follow you. I want you. I accept you into my life. And his compassions never fail. In other words, he's compassionate. He feels for you. He hurts for you. He has compassion for you. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, somebody should write a song like that. Great is your faithfulness. To remind us that his loving kindnesses never stop. His compassions never fail. Great is his faithfulness toward us. That is the identity. So when Moses says, who am I? Moses was saying, I'm a nobody. I've messed up way too much. I have no hope. I ran away for 40 years. I murdered somebody, hid the body in the sand. I'm a loser. I'm a wretch. I'm a mistake. I'm defective. I'm worthless. I'm unlovable. I'm rejectable. And so we ask God, how could you dare pick me? And Moses needs to learn, needed to learn what we need to learn today as well. And that is, that's not who you are. Maybe it's who you were. Maybe it's what had to happen, but you have a new identity and you have a loving God who's with you every step of the way, who forgives your sin and absolves you, who adopts you and brings you into his family and gives you a brand new name, who accepts you for what you are and where you are in life and loves you beyond your ability to comprehend. And when he understood that identity and we understand that identity, we can understand that I can step in faith, God, and serve you no matter what you're calling me to do. That's a new identity. And that's the answer when we ask the question, well, who am I? Well, that's who you are. You're not who you were. You are who he has made you to be today. I want to close with a poem. I don't know if it's really a poem. It was more of a journal entry that happened. And this was written by a young African missionary who was not having much success as a missionary. In fact, the people he knew turned away from him and he wasn't seeing a, a great fruit happen in his life. But he was committed to the Lord and he had a brand new identity. This young African was martyred for his faith. They killed him because he was a believer in Jesus. Again, not seeing any fruit really happen around him, as the people were going through his home and going through his notebooks after he had died, they found written down this journal entry or poem. And in this journal entry or poem, it has affected countless people to this day. It's our marching orders. It's our brand new identity. Some of you have heard this. Let me read it for you as we close. This young man who, who had been martyred for his faith had these written in his room. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed, he wrote. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. 
The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is my identity. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My past, the people, the performances, it's in the rearview mirror. My past is behind me, and I'm not going to look back. I'm only going to look forward. I will not slow down. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up for the cause of Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. Moses says, who am I? What I just read, that is who I am. My identity, that is who I am. I am a brand new creation and you are too. We're going to close today with a word of prayer. And as we close, I believe that there are some of you today that struggle with the identity issue a lot. Because you have had those old tapes and those old messages playing around in your head over and over again. And you've believed lies and that has affected you. And you constantly are looking at the past your mistakes, your sins, your failures, what you did, what you said, how you acted. You're constantly looking at what everybody else thinks. Maybe you're even addicted to what everybody else thinks. I, I need to get feedback. Tell me I'm doing okay. Maybe it's been the performances. You never did it good enough. And it's affecting you still to this day. And God comes along in the same question that Moses asked, the question of our heart, who am I? And God reminds Moses, Moses, it's not about you. I'm with you. I forgive you. I'm bringing you into my family, Moses. I accept you where you're at, Moses. I love you, Moses. Now turn and serve me. Maybe that rings true in your heart today as well. And as we go to this time of prayer, have that time with God, a burning bush moment where you don't listen to the words of my prayer. You just pray, God, please help me. I want a new identity. I want to be who you have called me to be. Let's pray as we close. Father, I pray for each one here, each one listening, each one who will be listening in the future that they would understand the brand new identity that you have given. Like Moses, we could all say, I hate who I was. I had so many mistakes, so many failures, things that I did wrong. 
but my past is in the rear. We could, like Moses, say, I've heard the message from so many people that I'm not good enough, that I don't matter, that I'll never measure up, but that's a lie from the enemy. Like Moses, we may be able to say, I haven't performed good enough. I, I, I wasn't good enough. But it's not about any of that. We have a new identity in you. We are brand new in you. And as Moses said, God, who am I? You promised, it's not about you, Moses. I will be with you. So it's not about us. You will be with us. Lord, if this is impacting any of us in here, help us and set us free. Thank you for meeting with us today, Lord. We just look forward to what you're going to continue to teach us. Bless each one here. Give them a wonderful week. Be very near them and help them to deepen their lives with you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Come back next week. We're going to look at the second question that Moses asked, which is, God, well, who are you? Not just who am I? See you then.